1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It is great to be with you today as we are each and every weekday, 3 to 5, right here on KKLA 99.5 FM in Los Angeles and surrounding counties. If you're in San Diego, you're listening on KPRZ, our sister station there. Really glad that you're doing that. On this program, we talk about the issues of the day, not just for conversation's sake and not just for fun, although we have some fun but also so that we are equipped to have conversations in our relationships with people with credibility and truth and from a Christian perspective. And that's something we want you to do. We want you to be prepared to have conversations, even ones that might be uncomfortable or ones that maybe you don't uh, feel like you really want to have or you don't feel like you're prepared. Because sometimes in our culture today, you're going to have to have them and things come up sometime in the next few days. Could be tomorrow, probably next week. I'm going to say uh, Tuesday, Monday or Thursday, maybe next week. The Supreme Court will actually drop their decision, their real decision on the abortion case that was uh, their leak decision came out uh, several weeks ago. We don't know if that's actually going to be the decision. It probably will be close to that. And uh, that is on the Mississippi law that prohibits abortions after 15 weeks. And uh, if they uphold that law, Dobbs versus Jackson, Women's Health Organization is the case, then abortion is going to change in the United States. It will overturn Roe versus Wade. It will mean that different states will have different laws and different abortion rules. Uh, it'll change in a lot of the country. About half the country will have a lot of restrictions, and then some places, like our state, will have fewer restrictions. And uh, you're going to have conversations. You you and I are, and you're going to hear them. And, you know, how can we be prepared? How can we be better prepared to have a modern day, truthful conversation? You know, when the leak happened, I had abortion discussions with my dental hygienist that day. I happened to have a dentist appointment that day. And then my dentist came in and I had a conversation with him. And he wasn't really in full agreement with her. But, you know, they had some things they agreed on, some things didn't. And they're working on my teeth and arguing about abortion which I did not find terrifically comfortable uh but I was curious and I was unable to respond. They would ask me what I think and I go ah you know normally though you're going to have the ability to say something. So I want to make sure that in different ways on our program we try to help you get prepared and really have a modern idea. Facts and truth uh it matters in our conversations and it matters for our credibility not just on an issue like this one. But in anything we might talk to people about and at, you know at the end of that line there is a time where you might be talking about your faith. You're talking about Christ, you're talking about what you believe about salvation and we need to have credibility in other areas of our life that helps us to have credibility with our faith conversation. The Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, of course has had uh, lots to say on this subject and a couple of things she said recently I found very interesting. And we're going to have a guest come on here in just a minute and help us with the science about this, this, and tell us how the science has changed over the past uh, several years, and it has. I've been particularly interested in why it is we keep having conversations that are based in 1978 figures and facts when this is 2022 and things are much different. Nancy Pelosi was pressed uh, today or yesterday on whether or not she sees abortion as murder, and in particular because of her Catholic faith, because of her Catholic faith. How do you see it personally? Uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi. This was. She was pressed a few times, and this finally was her answer. Play clip one.
2: Well, let me just say this: a woman has a right to choose. To live up to her responsibility, it's up to her, her doctor, her family, her husband, her her significant other, and her God. Uh, th- this talk of politicizing all of this, I think. Is something uniquely American and not right. Other countries, Ireland, Italy, Mexico, have had legislative initiatives uh, to expand a woman's right uh, to choose. Very Catholic countries. I'm a very Catholic person, and I believe in every woman's right to make her own decisions.
1: Nancy Pelosi asks, Stated Ireland, Italy, and Mexico, Ireland, by the way, twelve weeks is when abortions is all, are allowed, and then they are heavily restricted afterward in that Catholic country, Italy, ninety days less than thirteen weeks, and then there are restrictions after with some um, some flexibility if there are severe defects, uh, birth defects that the child might have. Mexico twelve weeks restricted after. And uh, the United States law being considered is 15 weeks. The Mississippi law that's being considered that will probably be upheld is actually more liberal than most countries in the world. Think about that for a minute. Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I's abortion law will be more liberal than most in the world. That's that's actually what's true. See, and, and her perspective here, she changed it from legislation to initiatives because there are people in those countries that are trying to uh, change those laws. But did you know that? Did you know that what actually is happening is not really ending abortion, but it will bring our laws closer to where they are in most of the uh, the most of the West, most of the world, in fact? Now, a couple of weeks ago, she said uh, recently that the science has not changed in 50 years. Play clip number two. Do we have that uh, ready? All right, here it comes. This is uh, Nancy Pelosi, who's being interviewed about abortion. And what she's trying to argue is that in 50 years since the um, since abortion became the law of the land, that the science hasn't changed in 50 years, that only the politics has changed. Go ahead.
2: We had been bipartisan early on support for a woman's right to choose until the politics uh, have changed. And that's what happened to the court. The science hasn't changed, but the court changed.
1: That is a subject I want to talk about today. Has the science changed? How, has it, how is it different in the last 50 years? When Nancy Pelosi says this, is she herself even updated on the science? What should we know about this? My guest is Dr. Tara Sander-Lee. She is the Senior Fellow and Director of Life Sciences at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, an organization dedicated to policies and practices that protect the sanctity of human life. She is a scientist with 20 years experience in academic and clinical medicine with an emphasis on the cause of pediatric disease. I don't always give everybody's resume, but I want you to know this, that my guest knows the facts on these issues. She obtained a Ph.D. in biochemistry from the Medical College of Wisconsin and fellowship training at Harvard. Yes, that Harvard Medical School and Boston Children's Hospital. Dr. Sander Lee was appointed faculty member at the Medical College of Wisconsin for over 15 years, where she directed a research lab investigating congenial heart disease in children and served as scientific director of molecular diagnostics at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. Uh, Dr. Sander Lee, welcome to Southern California Live.
3: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's absolutely a pleasure.
1: Well, thank you for joining me. And I wanted to give all that stuff not just to... uh, you know, to, uh, you know, put your resume out there, but to let our listeners know that the science really has changed. Is Nancy Pelosi right that the science hasn't changed in 50 years when it comes to abortions?
3: No, she's not right at all. And, you know, it's unfortunate that after three years of telling America to follow the science, follow the science, um, Speaker Pelosi is now completely ignoring the science because it's inconvenient for her extreme political position of legalizing abortion, up until the moment of birth. I mean, she really doesn't have to look far for evidence of major scientific advancements that have revolutionized uh, technology. I mean, all we have to do is look at ultrasound. it just is probably the perfect example. And I often like to kind of explain this, you know, I used to teach a lot of medical students and residents and graduate students. And, you know, I when I would present the real details of the science, they, they would look at me with these glossed-over eyes. But the minute I showed them a picture, then it was just, they were like, the light bulb went off and they completely understood. It's the same way with ultrasound in this country. Fifty years ago, science had already firmly established that the the unborn child from the moment of conception was a human life. From the moment of conception when the sperm fertilized the egg... The union of the male and female DNA restored the full complement of DNA needed to create a new human being.
0: But
3: uh, unfortunately,
1: let me ask you real quick, as as you go on, let me ask you real quick. So for our listeners, so that we all understand, science now, we couldn't do this in 1973 or 78, determine the DNA of the, the child. Is that correct?
3: That's correct. Yes, at that time there were just so so many technologies that were unavailable, including yes, detecting the DNA of the child inside. Well, there were some early advancements, but um, painlessly determining it was was very early. Was not had not been determined yet. Yes.
1: And now, what we what have we learned through DNA about the child um, in the womb?
3: So, what we know about the DNA from the child in the womb is that. The DNA is absolutely unique from the very moment of conception. That child has a completely unique DNA for his or her entire life, completely different from everybody else on the planet. Mm. And, and what's amazing is that not only, you know, the DNA, we can't see that, right? Um, you can't see that. That's a, a, it's with the naked eye, you can't see that. But what we can see is the, the amazing human life that is developing inside the womb in part because of that DNA, which is the blueprint of life. And we can, we now know because of ultrasound, that ultrasound technology gave us then a clear picture of the little boy or girl developing inside his or or her mother's womb i mean back in 1973 ultrasound technology was new it displayed a baby using like grainy black and white dots it was really difficult mm. to identify the baby let alone like even just the head or major body parts let alone fetal behaviors so right now i mean everybody know they see these you know people see the 3d and 4D ultrasounds um, that we can see now of the baby crying and smiling right. hiccuping sucking their thumb Even We even now know that because of ultrasound that a baby is going to be right-handed or left-handed by the time that baby is 15 weeks because they have a preference for whether they're going to suck their right or left thumb. And so ultrasound really became the window that allowed us to see these babies with absolute clarity and just the amazing human beings that they are. I mean, they have their fingers and toes complete by 10 weeks gestation. They have 90 percent of their body parts already in place by 10 weeks gestation. Their hearts are fully beating rhythmically by six weeks. So all this became possible um, with ultrasound. And so that's just one example of advancements. And so, you know, the fact that Nancy Pelosi is ignoring this, I mean, you know, she is she is advocating for the right to kill a child at fifteen—you know—at any stage of development, right. all the way up until birth. But if you look at like fifteen weeks, just the Mississippi bill—I mean, we—that's when babies respond to touch, they feel pain, they respond to taste. Um, we absolutely know that the the that surgeons have successfully performed surgery on babies at fifteen weeks gestation, and they are treated just like any other patient outside the womb. These babies inside the womb receive anesthesia and they because they know that they feel pain and so it's it's really unbelievable that that Nancy Pelosi will make these just crazy statements that science hasn't changed because it, it's so it's so um opposite of what the truth and what the science says
1: yeah you know she's not the only one who makes that statement what I'm finding is we've had to have these conversations a lot more because of what's coming up in the the, the especially since the leak uh, of the Supreme Court uh, potential decision I feel like a yeah. lot of people, even people on the pro life or anti abortion side, are behind in the science. Uh, we are just, and this may be deliberate in the case of uh, the education system, they don't want to say, but we aren't even, we're having old conversations. Does that make sense? Like it's the same conversation from the 1980s that I'm having with people now when everything's different.
3: Yeah, we, we are. I mean, and just, you know, some of the same. Um, arguments come back that, well, we absolutely need abortion. It's healthcare. It's needed to save the life of a mother. But right. what, what people don't understand is that when you really look at the medical facts, and I work with a lot of colleagues that deliver babies yeah. <laughs> every day, and, you know, but how they explain this is that, you know, there are life-threatening situations that will require a separation of a mother and her unborn child. And, but these occur far less commonly than one may assume. But, you know, an induced abortion should not be confused with a medical indication for separating a mother from her unborn child, such as ectopic pregnancy. That's probably the per- perfect example in sure. which um, an embryo implants outside the uterus. Um, and most commonly in the fallopian tube. And yes, it has the potential to become a life-threatening crisis for the mother, but that baby does not, you know, there is never going to be an indication where a baby needs to be deliberately killed, brutally torn apart um, in order to save the life of a mother. There may be needs for separating the mother and the fetus. That That is med- medically indicated. And yes, some of these babies will be not will be pre-viability right yeah. i mean right now right viability is a moving target we know yeah, i was going to ask you that is are, yeah where would you put margable. viability I mean, today so today at the time well let me let me compare us to where we were at roe i mean we know that hmm. at the time of Roe, it was about 24 to 28 weeks gestation yeah. now we are seeing because of major advancements in science and incredibly skilled (laughs) physicians, we are now seeing babies survive at 21 or 22 weeks. And what's amazing is just last year, in November of 2021, there was a little boy named Curtis who was born 132 days early and he became the, he made it to the, into the Guinness World Records because he was the world's most premature infant to live to a first birthday and wow. he is now thriving. And so it's just, it's remarkable just how science has advanced so much to care for these little ones inside the womb as a separate patient, just like we would, um, and, you know, inside the womb, but also when they're born extremely premature, they are Mm -hmm. cared for just like any other child.
1: Now, Doctor, let me ask you this question, and uh, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm your your host, Scott Furrow. My guest is Dr. Tara Sander Lee, and uh, we're talking about the science of abortion and how it has changed over the years. Personally, you've had a a great career, and you've been able to study at some of the best institutions and a lot of... um, a lot of opportunity there, and obviously not all of your colleagues would agree with you on many of these things. How did you come to the strong opinions that you have, the the views that you have? I don't even know if opinion is the right word as I say that. <laughs> your your scientific, uh, your your doctoral, I don't know your 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 attitude about these things. How did you progress in that area? Did you always say no abortion is is morally wrong, or did you? go through a period of time where scientifically you came around to that?
3: Yeah, it was, it was definitely a journey. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, in my college days, um, attending a pretty liberal uh, college, you know, I definitely fed into the feminist um, dogma, you know, mm-hmm. that women had this right to their bodies and, you know, that abortion sh- should be that right. And, you know, I just kind of went along with it. I didn't really, I, didn't, I just kind of, I didn't really take either side. I was just like, "Well, that sounds about right," (laughs) you know. I'm a woman, and um, but but then as I actually became deeper entrenched in my scientific career, as I became deeper entrenched in my faith, um, and as the Holy Spirit just really convicted me, um, and then I was also seeing scientifically, and I that it is absolutely. It is the, sci- the spirit has already revealed in the scriptures. What we, what science already, what we already, what science has already is told us. We know right. that the human being is a is is made in the image of God. It's created by God from the moment of conception. Um, we can see in Psalm one thirty nine. I mean, when you look at Psalm one thirty nine, what the Holy Spirit revealed to King David in Psalm one thirty nine, saying how we are fearfully and wonderfully made inside our mother's womb. You know, King David wrote about how we were knit together and woven together inside the womb. And you know what's really amazing is that centuries after that psalm was written, scientists proposed the structure of DNA and they were actually correct. And what they found is that the DNA that is, you know, the blueprint for life and creating life, that that's actually woven together like two ribbons of genetic material. And so it's just, you know, scripture reveals to us, what we, you know, that the unborn child is, has dignity, has worth, has value. It doesn't matter what, um, it doesn't matter, you know, if that child has a birth defect, it doesn't matter if they have a different number of chromosomes. It doesn't matter. Every single child hmm. is, is a is a unique child of God. And, and so that's, you know, then just as my career advanced then just it just that just the holy spirit just really just continued to just deepen that understanding and um and so i just now i i really believe i am called to be an advocate to be a voice for the for the voiceless and for the unborn um to really educate people on the truth um of what we know of what the bible says but also scientifically of what we know to be true
1: yeah, I think it's really important for Christians to understand. There's all this conversation, you know, about uh, Christians or maybe religion in general being opposed to science, but that's not at all true. Um, it's a it's a political no. statement to say that, and I, I like to let Christians know it's hey, you know, sometimes the church is wrong about things scientifically, but the Bible is not, and right. uh, science works its way back to the Bible eventually, even when it was away. And abortion is one of those great, uh, one of those great. Uh, examples of that as you just mentioned the bible says that we're knitted together in our womb and what an interesting term when you think about how dna works
3: yeah it is it's remarkable and um it's just you know and i just i i, I go back to to what you had said at the very beginning and I, I think it's so important you know one of the biggest lies that i think they think that the abortion is just um That somehow in America, everybody wants to have abortion. When we actually look at polls, you know, 71% of Americans actually support significant limits on abortion. Most Americans would prefer that people set abortion policy through elected individuals because they, because science has revealed that, you know, the the Bible has revealed to them. they, They know that the unborn child is a unique child that needs, has dignity, needs to be uh, protected. And, you know, the United States is one of only a handful of nations, including right. North Korea, Korea and China, that, that permits late-term abortion on demand after 20 weeks. And as you mentioned, in Europe, even in progressive Europe, 47 out of 50 countries have limits on abortion prior to 15 weeks. Yeah, so we're it's... even more extreme than Europe. So it's, you know, it's, it's time, right? Roe yeah. is outdated, and we need to modernize this law science and medicine have made tremendous advancements, and it's time its time for this to go back to the people to decide.
1: Yeah, you're listening to Southern California Live. My guest is Dr. Tara Sander Lee, and we are talking about the science of abortion, how that has changed over 50 years. When we get back from our break, uh, Doctor, I want to ask you about two things when we come back from the break, uh, at least two things, but one of them is we you talked about surgeries that are able to be done on a fetus. You know, I think people are just fascinated by that. Maybe you could just talk about some of the work that is being done scientifically. I think that is interesting. And I think it's also something that needs to be considered as we consider whether or not this is a life. If we're doing surgery, if we're applying anesthesia, if we're doing all of this, then we must think it's a life, right? And and I'd love to hear more about how younger students respond whenever you have the opportunity to teach. Uh, particularly this generation. So when we get back, uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Dr. Tara Sander Lee. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you on a Thursday afternoon. Great to be with you today. My guest is uh, with us here on the phone, Dr. Uh, Tara Sander Lee, and she is talking about abortion and the science. She is a scientist that is Harvard trained, and uh, she does a whole lot uh, in this area. And you were talking before the break about um, fetal surgeries. And mm-hmm. uh, you, what are some things that are being done for uh, This is surgery that is being done on an infant, you know, fetus that is still hasn't been born. What kinds of uh, surgeries are are we able to do there?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, it's amazing. I mean, the first successful surgery in the United States um, that treated a patient inside the womb was in 1981. Uh, This was Dr. Michael Mm. Harrison placed a bladder shunt um, in a set of twins and both survived and and did well. Um, But since then, it's, it's amazing how advancements in the ultrasound, like we talked about earlier and supportive measures, such as anesthesia and surgical technology, that it is now routinely possible to treat the unborn child and repair birth defects inside the womb. And these babies are treated as separate patients. And I mean, just to show how much it it is expanded, um, you know, now there are over 30 medical centers in the United States that perform advanced in utero fetal surgery procedures, and these centers are located across 21 states and 31 cities, and, you know, there have been such important studies that have been done. I mean, we can see that fetal surgery have pr- has proven so successful in treating unborn for several life-threatening conditions. Spina bifida is probably one of the best examples. Um, and twin to twin transfusion syndrome. And in twin to twin transfusion syndrome, these babies are treated sometimes as early as fifteen weeks gestation. And hmm. you know, when we look at spina bifida, the first groundbreaking clinical trial for treating spina bifida before before birth was so successful that the trial was stopped early so that treatment was not withheld from the babies that weren't in the um, in the group that wasn't supposed to receive them, like the control group. And so, you know, today, I don't, if you look at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, um, yeah. they now have an annual fetal family reunion. Their first reunion was in 1997. And if you go to their website, you can see pictures, historical pictures of this. And you can see in the first picture, you know, maybe a handful of babies that, um, that were treated. They just celebrated their 26th fetal family reunion earlier this month. And that first image, that first picture that was taken in 1997 to celebrate the fetal family reunion was taken in a hallway of the hospital. This one just a couple of weeks ago had to be moved to the zoo because there are so many people Ah. to celebrate that have been saved. And I think it was just last year they celebrated their 2,000th patient. patient. So um, fetal therapy is just a remarkable area. Um, You know, they are they're. Saving these babies at a very high survival rate. Um, and it is just remarkable about how these life, these once thought to be life threatening conditions, these babies are now not only surviving, but they're thriving and they have um, a, a, quali- a quality of life that far surpasses the options that they had before um, of only having surgery after birth.
1: Yeah, it's an incredible, incredible thing. And I think that these stories, I think for you know our listeners, when these conversations come up, rather than maybe some of the debates that we get into about personhood and about viability, you know, those things are, they're necessary arguments, but maybe just for regular people to talk about these surgeries that can happen in utero, these surgeries that in the science, the way has changed. You mentioned earlier how people, your students are impacted primarily more by the pictures of the unborn child and there are pictures of these surgeries there's a famous one right that went viral a while ago where the unborn child actually reaches out and grabs the finger of the surgeon yeah uh, that's exactly right powerful picture that picture and you're telling me this is not a human being that uh, we can just end this person's life mm-hmm. um yeah what you know from the the standpoint of your students i i've watched some of the Uh, work that another organization called uh, Students for Life of America do, where they go to college campuses and uh, they talk about abortion. And I'm amazed, number one, at the college students, once again, 1970s and 80s approach to the subject. And then number two, how stunned they are when they see the pictures or when they hear these modern uh, scientific advances. Uh, Is this what you've experienced? And, you know, how does this um, strike you when you see that change happen in their faces.
3: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not, I I do, I speak all over the country. Um, I give talks, I give expert testimonies and you're right. When you, when you actually show them pictures, when you show ultrasound then versus now, what we didn't know then and what we do know now, um, it's not just the younger generation and the students, but it's it's everybody, young and old, that is just, it, it just it's just like I said before, Like it's, it's like a light bulb goes off, like, oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like,
3: it's, it's unbelievable. Like, we, we, it is undeniable, the humanity of the unborn child. We can no longer ignore the truth. And every preborn child is a human being, a complete member of the human species. From yes. conception all the way up until birth. And so I think, you know, the more that people are educated with the truth, I mean, we, we spent two years actually developing a website so that, because we think this is one of the issues, right? I, I know as a scientist, a lot of the, the really, um, technical science to explain the development of the unborn child you know sometimes behind a firewall or a paywall in these really you know these complex scientific journals so we spent two years of research um of you know people with very highly advanced you know degrees mds phds compiling the very latest science to explain the 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 Voyage of Human Life, and that's what we call our website, The Voyage of Life, so that people can understand, so that even a middle middle school student can use this to dive deep into and understand the undeniable humanity of the unborn child. They can see it with themselves. So if you go to voyageoflife.com, that's exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to use pictures and videos and um, Real-life images of babies inside the womb, um, of their you know heart beating, so that they can see for themselves from the very moment of conception all the way until birth, all the amazing facts that are happening with these unborn um, babies that they they and they're gonna they see facts that they've never seen before. I mean, we provide information like, did you know that fingerprints start forming at 12 weeks gestation and are firmly established by 19 weeks? I mean, you know, did you did you know that by 15 weeks? Boys and girls actually move differently inside the womb. Um, And so we provide all these facts on this website so that not only students, but um, young and old alike can just be fascinated with how science has unveiled how every baby developing in the womb does indeed um, have their own unique story to tell and have dignity and worth and need to be protected.
1: You're listening to Southern California Live. My guest is Dr. Tara Sander-Lee. She's a senior fellow and director of life sciences at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Is it Lozier or Lozier? How do you say it?
3: It's Lozier.
1: Lozier. Okay. I took eight years of French, and so all that has done is confused me about things like that. (laughs) Um, I
3: understand. I took many years of French as well.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, Only thing I remember is, pardonnez-moi, où est la maison de Pancake international. You know, but... uh, (laughs) So, the Charlotte Lozier Institute, you can find that at lozierinstitute.org, and there's also a link there to Voyage of Life, voyageoflife.com. Tell us a little bit about the uh, institute you're working for, and then uh, we'll close out and remind people about the Voyage of Life website.
3: Absolutely. So, the Charlotte Lozier Institute um, was founded in 2011 as the education and research arm of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, uh, formerly Susan B. Anthony List. Um, and so, you know, we, we advise and we lead the pro-life movement with cutting edge scientific, scientific and statistical research that underscores the dignity of every human life. And, you know, we have over 70 associate scholars, um, that are experts in law and medicine and statistics and research and, and science, you know, so, and so then we educate policy we educate the public on the value of life from fertilization to natural death. And so if you go onto our website, you will find a plethora of information and facts um, about the unborn, but, you know, just things that you might uh, have never even thought of. I mean, we have amazing resources when it comes just to understanding Planned Parenthood's involvement, um, Mm -hmm. the new, how chemical abortion is just expanding in the United States. And we have some real, you know, peer-reviewed published literature that you can gain access to and an understanding of a lot of information regarding life.
1: Yeah, I would encourage uh, our listeners to go to it. It's lozierinstitute.org. It's a great website if you're particularly not scientific-minded, but you have somebody in your relational world, a family member or a friend who can speak above your head, you know, scientifically. This is a good resource for them if you're going to have this uh, conversation. Uh, Charlotte Lozier Institute, it's lozierinstitute.org and uh, check it out. There's a lot of good stuff on there um, for people and to really help this conversation. I think the conversation we're going to be having, doctor, here in a week, probably, uh, and probably all through the summer, through the election, it's going to be obviously election politics and things. I think it's an opportunity actually to educate people and to really ask the question from the anti-abortion side to follow the science to really put like yeah. you said at the beginning of our interview to put that back and to say no no we're on the side of science now. Um and yeah. this is a great website to help you with that and the the uh, the Voyage of Life you can link to it from the Charlotte Lozier Institute website but it's voyageoflife.com and it's great and there's lots of resources on there um for each week of pregnancy. Uh, it's a very very good resource and you said it's uh, good for people uh, maybe as young as junior high is that right?
3: Absolutely. Um, I have a child that's in elementary school, and he <laughs> he finds it interesting. Um, but I, yes, there is something there for everybody. Um, there is, there is no, no age too young or too old that won't we'll be able to find something in there. And we actually have these dive deeper sections that if you want to even get dig even further and deeper and get into more of the science, we give you that opportunity as well
1: yeah it's very very good that's voyageoflife.com voyageoflife.com um, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we uh, end our time together? I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this. I think that uh, for you know our listeners we it's great to have the confidence that the science is uh, behind the point of view um, and the confidence to know that people like you are out there arguing in this in this direction in our country.
3: Yeah. And, and I, I thank you so much for the opportunity. And I just think it's important for people to understand that there is a lot of misinformation out there. Um, there is a lot of rhetoric um, that is that is just not true. And I mean, one of the best ones is, you
2: know,
3: the the saying that we never, you know, we don't care about the woman, we only care about the baby. Well, that couldn't be. <laughs> That's so not true, because the pro- pro-life movement cares deeply about the mother and the unborn child. Um, I mean, just one example is that there are more than 2,700 pregnancy care centers nationwide that serve millions of people annually, volunteers um, that 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 selflessly serve mm-hmm. these women and meet them where they are. And so I think it's really important for people to understand that we – abortion, there are two victims in abortion, both the baby and the mother, and um, we are working very hard to meet the woman where she is and to help her so that she doesn't have to face this alone.
1: Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Terra Sander Lee, for joining me on Southern California Live today. Really appreciate it and, uh, and everything that you do. Thank you for being with me today.
3: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
1: All right. You too. My guest was Dr. Tara Sander-Lee. She's the Senior Fellow and Director of Life Sciences at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. And you can go to lozierinstitute.org to learn more about her organization and the website that is just excellent as far as just basic information about the development of the fetus, the science behind it is, uh, you can also get to that right from that website. Um, And it's called (coughs) The Voyage of Life. Voyageoflife.com is the website, voyageoflife.com. When we get back... Uh, We'll take your calls, 888-528-2557, if you want to comment on uh, what we've been talking about, 888-528-2557. And also, uh, Jane's Revenge, which is a uh, left-wing violent um, group that has been attacking abortion, uh, you know, pro-life pregnancy counseling centers, issued a very serious threat uh, today. And I'll share a little bit with you about that as soon as we get back. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you today. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. If you can't get your phone, go ahead and send me an email so if I can get to that uh, during the show. If not, I'll get back to you later on that way. We have uh, started this hour with a guest and getting ready for the official Supreme Court decision on the Mississippi law that will probably, probably overturn Roe versus Wade. I think no matter what they decide, that's going to be a, a source of conversation, and, you know, a couple of things to keep in mind in this hour, we've talked about the science of it and how that has changed and how the science is on the anti-abortion side, that the science has undone. A lot of the arguments that used to be made about abortion, I'm surprised at how old the textbooks must be in some of the college students' libraries these days because of the old arguments or arguments when I was in college um, back in the last century that I'm still hearing and you go, those things have been debunked a long time ago. Like isn't there a better argument? Um, and uh probably not too many of them. A couple of things I want to mention on the subject that I think you should be aware of. Number one, in these conversations, most important, there are so many people around who in the course of this conversation, and I know it's many of you listening, You've had abortions, or you've been involved in encouraging someone, maybe a girlfriend or you know somebody, to have an abortion, or maybe your spouse. Uh, and as the science changes, or as your heart changes, as you change your mind, you know you feel you feel it's just very difficult. And I know that. You know this is something that you need to know is that there is grace. That when the Bible tells us that Jesus died for our sins, when the Bible tells us that. Uh, he was crushed for our iniquities, that this is what the Savior would do. It doesn't have an accept after that. It doesn't say uh, he died for all of your sins, uh, except you, Martha, over there, not you for what you've done. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say uh, Jesus died for the sins of the world, uh, except for you, Fred, not your your sins, Fred. Um, Jesus can't stand you. It doesn't say that. And I want you to know that that is the distinction of our faith, that the God of the universe knows everything that's going on and knows everything that you've done, everything that was a part of your motive for doing it, whether you did it for reasons where you were fully aware of what you were doing and did it anyway, or maybe you are doing it because somebody told you false information and you believed that. And then later on science changes and you've changed your mind. You need to know that there is grace and this needs to be part of our conversation. It's, um, um, this conversation, I think, is hard because we know that there are wounded people out there everywhere because of this issue, and I know that several of you are wounded. I want you to know, number one, that you're loved. You're loved by Jesus. That's the most important. He loves you, and you tell Jesus about everything that you're feeling, and he takes all of that upon himself because he is, the, he is your, your spiritual husband, to use that uh, analogy. He takes everything that you have, and he loves you. Uh, just the way you are. And that's really important to know. And you know that we're coming up on Father's Day this weekend, and Father's Day, it's, you know, we talk about Father's Day, Mother's Day too to some extent, but Father's Day, it's a hard conversation sometimes for a lot of us who maybe didn't have great fathers or we haven't been great fathers or our fathers were absent, we lost our fathers early, so many different pieces there. Great, great thing about knowing the Lord is that you have a Father in heaven. You have a Father in heaven that is perfect, that gave up his son for you, that if you believe in Jesus as your savior, if you believe that he died for your sins and he rose again from the grave, when you receive that gift of grace, when you you admit that you can't live the perfect life, Jesus lived it for you, you accept that, you accept the forgiveness of God. It isn't just that you get forgiveness and, and your father in heaven says, okay, now go away. It's not that at all. Hebrews tells us that he sits on a throne of grace And the scriptures tell us that you've been invited into the family of God, that you are adopted into the family, that we are all brothers and sisters. When we use that term, we mean it very literally, spiritually speaking. And for the sake of eternity, if you are a Christian, we believe that we're going to be brothers and sisters, siblings in Christ in the same family forever. And I want everybody to know that. I want everybody to know that about God, that he loves you, he knows you personally, he has an infinite amount of time for you. Another subject I'd like to do sometime on the scientific side of it, and it might, it might hurt your head, I've got to think about how to do this right, but the idea of an infinite God, the idea that God is beyond time and that if you think that you are somehow too insignificant for the Lord, if you think somehow that God has bigger fish to fry than whatever your issues are, you can't think of God that way. He actually has an infinite amount of time for you personally, and he has an infinite amount of time for me personally, an infinite amount of time for each one of us personally. That's how that works, and that's amazing that you have that kind of access to the creator of the universe. That's hard for our brains to understand because we don't have an infinite amount of time for anything you know, on this earth. Um God has that for you, and that means that there's nothing too small or nothing too big that you can't talk to your Father in heaven about. There's nothing that is boring to him. There is nothing that he's not interested in. There is nothing that he uh, doesn't know. He knows you better than you know yourself, so know that about him. Uh, We want you to know that, and as you have these conversations, you know, this subject is hard for a lot of people, and I know many of us don't want to talk about it, um, but it's going to be forced on us. It's going to be they're going to try to make it a political issue in the campaign, the people on the left on this issue um, and people on the right, people on the right. If you're more in a red state, you're going to say, hey, you need to make sure we keep going in the same direction. Vote for me. And if you're in a if you're on the liberal side on this issue, you're going to say, no, vote for the other person because you want to take it back. That, that kind of argument's going to be there the political argument aside the personal discussions that you do have like i mentioned earlier i had this conversation out of the blue with my dental hygienist and my dentist while they're working on my teeth and they're not agreeing on everything uh, which was a very interesting thing to happen while you're at the dentist while you're all numbed up and they're doing their stuff um having an argument about <laughs> abortion um you know you never know when you're going to have that conversation what i think is is so positive about The conversation today, maybe over the conversation you might have had 20 years ago, is that you can have a positive conversation. You can talk about grace, but you can also talk about the science being on the anti-abortion side. You can talk about uh, all the work that is being done to preserve the life and change the life of fetuses before they're even born, the surgeries that are there. There are pictures of unborn children. I didn't know this. I learned this in the interview that you could find out, What did she say? Ten or twelve weeks, something like that. Whether a baby is left-handed or right-handed, be while they're still in the womb, and because of whichever hand there seems to be dominant with sucking their thumb or doing whatever else they're doing in there. I don't know if they're writing on the wall or playing games in there. Um, It's amazing that we have this, and there are pictures that are, I think, a lot more positive. You know, there's been the the approach with this subject to show the violence of it, and abortion is violent, and to show the pictures of the violence and the dismembered babies and all of that. Maybe it's going to be a better approach now in 2022 to show the pictures of life, to show the pictures of the unborn child grabbing the finger as if to say thank you or I love you of the surgeon who's working on him, The smiles, the cries, the laughter, the the facial expressions that we see in a sonogram today, you know, those pictures are powerful, and they say this is a human being. This is a human being that we know now scientifically has the DNA of only that one person. It's not the father. It's not the mother. It is it is one new person. These are positive approaches to dealing with this subject um, and always deal with it with grace and kindness. We're running out of time here. I wanted to uh, point out, maybe we'll get to it the next hour. Maybe I'll get to it tomorrow. Uh, Jane's Revenge, it's another it's a it's a group out there that is attacking, which is I think what you do when you don't have the science behind you 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 violently attack when you're trying to force people into another belief that's what they're doing they're attacking pregnancy care clinics that the ones that will promote a pro life agenda or that um, won't just promote abortion those kinds of things and uh it's pretty serious threats um so we need to be praying for all of these volunteers and people working at these pregnancy these crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, maybe their lives are in jeopardy. Their their way of life is in jeopardy. That's for sure. Their day-to-day experiences, is, and uh, they have a tremendous work that they're doing. They're not just saving lives. They're saving the lives of women. They're bringing people to Christ in many cases where they are Christian ones, and uh, keep them in their prayers. They're under a lot of attack. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, And uh, we're going to come back in hour two and talk a little bit more about the news of the day. Plus, I have a guest named Doug Cobb, who's written a great book about the Great Commission and how we are getting closer to that being fulfilled. And it's another way to bring you some hope with all of these things going on that seem so frustrated. And it seems like we're just spinning in the wrong direction. In the big picture, what God is doing in the world is taking us exactly where God wants to go, and nothing has changed, and we're almost there. We'll talk about that as soon as we get back. I'm Scott Furrow, Southern California Live, Thursday edition. We'll be right back. Stay tuned